Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC Vegas 39, headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez in a pivotal strawweight clash that should probably tell us who should be next up uh, after the Rose and Wiley and all those women start uh, figuring themselves out. But I think that one of these women will find themselves in a title shot maybe mid next year or late next year but uh very very important fight for us we did lose a fight earlier this morning with phil hawes uh and ron win ron win obviously having to pull out short notice chris curtis jumps in but unfortunately even after he weighs in phil hawes decides to decline on that fight and now we're left with nine fights instead of the 10 fights that we went into with the weigh-in so Still a good card in terms of betting, in my opinion, and I had to bring on some pretty damn good people to, uh, or a damn good guest here to break down the fights with you guys. But before I bring him on, I do want to quickly throw out one last call for the Dog of the Night Challenge. If you guys are interested in it, the deadline is Sunday to sign up. Uh, there's a $25 pool, $100 pool, and a high-stakes $500 pool. You pick one underdog for the next 10 events, accumulate the most profit, and if you place in the top three, you get paid out with the pot. So the $500 high-stakes high uh, uh, is a new one that we're doing, and we already have 13 people signed up for it. I'm hoping we can get it closer to 50 to 16. And we have some pretty big names in there too, which I'll drop on Twitter uh, later this evening once I confirm at least one more guy. So you, got, you guys have until Sunday to sign up for that. And if you guys are interested, slide in my DMs either on Twitter or on Instagram, and I'll get you guys set up for that. So probably one of the sharper games on social media, so make sure you guys check that out. All right, without further ado, let me bring on my guest here. We have my guy, Brandon Olivas, fight-ready member, I believe. Uh, I do want to give you the platform here in terms of introducing yourself to the crowd. Not many people may know who you are, but give us a little bit of a background in terms of you know what got you into MMA and then how you ended up on the gambling side of things. Uh, hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, so I have been training since I was 14 years old. Um, I got into this through jujitsu. Uh, I had competed a lot on the circuit as a blue belt. I was number one in the world, couple time Pan Am champion. Um, and then somewhere along the line, after I turned 18, I decided, all right, now it's time for MMA. Um, so I think other than Camuela Kirk, I'm probably one of the longest, uh, tenured fighters with Santino DeFranco. So that's been my coach for uh, pre-fight ready, pre-titles, pre-everything. I've been with him for a long, long time. Um, now, as far as the gambling side of things, so I, I actually represent Siege MMA. Uh, I, I train at Fight Ready. I used to train at Fight Ready a lot. Um, Siege is my home now. Uh, and uh, a few years ago, I, I had some problems with my hand. I, I don't have a lot of uh, movement in my hand. That's about how my hand stays. Oh, wow. So I've had to sit on the sidelines for a bit and you know i was like all right well let's start studying fights and see if we can make it happen perfect no that's awesome that you're able to kind of change that uh, your direction and your path right and still be successful in it because you're hitting some damn good plays man ever since uh, santino threw me on to you saying this is the guy that i kind of lean on for my gambling advice uh, and i've been following you for a couple of weeks now i've been pretty impressed with what you've been able to bring to the table not to mention Catching, Carl, catching Carlos Hernandez on this past weekend's Daniel uh, Dana White contender series, uh, somebody that you actually fought back in the day. Do you, do you remember much about that fight, how it went? I, I know you ended up on the losing side there, but what from that fight kind of pushed you in thinking that Carlos Hernandez was the side this past week? Yeah, um, well, first of all, I'll say this. Um, at the time, you know, I, I may not have been ready for that fight. Carlos at the time was already an amateur world champion. I was only 1-0. He had a record of 12-1. Um, so it was a little quick for me to have that fight, uh, very close fight. I think it was, uh, 29, 28. He, he ended up winning. I took him down second round. 
Um, but the, the reason that I picked Carlos, Carlos has every single thing that you can look for in a fighter. I mean, he's got fight IQ, he's got cardio, he's got skills everywhere. He doesn't lay on his back. I mean, the guy just does everything right. And watching the fight, I mean, you could see that play out. He had an opportunity to lay on his back and accept the takedown. And instead, he was right back up, throwing in the clinch. I mean, man, he looked great. And uh, I'm really happy for the guy. Yeah, no, it was a great performance for him. Very close fight. I do think he deserved to win the fight there. But again, I was very impressed with his ability to get back to his feet, nullify the amount of control and damage that Barrez was actually having on top, and then dishing out his own damage in return. So a good one for Carlos there. And obviously, great cast for you as well, because that was like the closest line fight on the entire card. Not to mention, I think he opened up minus 180 and dropped all the way down to like even money, plus 100. And to be able to cash on it at that plus 100 mark or minus Love 105 it. even, absolutely amazing for sure, for sure. All right, let's not waste too much more time. Let's just get into the card here. We got nine fights to go over. Um, and the first one we got at the lightweight division between Charlie Ontiveros and Steve Garcia, both guys coming from different sides of the of the division, right? You got Ontiveros, who his last fight was actually up at 185, although he weighed in at 182 on short notice going up against Kevin Holland, but he seems to be a career 170er. Now coming down to 155 pounds, the guy looked in damn good shape this morning at the weigh-ins. Uh, and then on the flip side, you got Steve Garcia coming up from 145 pounds with very recognizable names on his record, even pre-UFC. Joe Warren was one of them that really stuck out to me. That was just like, oh shit, this guy was actually around the time that Joe Warren was still fighting. Uh, and he uh, he ended up taking an L in that fight in Bellator. But I think he brings some good skills into this fight against a guy in Charlie Ontiveros, who I'm not really that high on, right? 11-7 and seven record. Seems a little bit more flashy, but not as efficient with it as, you know, other guys that we see a little bit more flashing are actually efficient with it. Um, and then the Steve Garcia side of things, good power in his hands. I think he has decent grappling as well. I think if he catches the chin here of Charlie Antaveros, it's probably going to go night-night. But I think my favorite uh, spot on this card is, uh, is the violence bet. I like to call them the violence bets here. The under, uh, maybe not the under one and a half. I like having a little extra time. The under two and a half is probably the way that I'd go if you have access to it. Minus 175. Even the fight doesn't go to decision. is getting massive steam throughout the day. It actually opened up at minus 170, hung around minus 200, and now it's down to minus 275. People are seeing exactly what a lot of people are saying, which is one of these guys is probably going to go out in this fight. I'm picking Garcia by knockout. How are you feeling in this matchup? You know what? I, I think that's the right play, too. This is a this is a tricky matchup, man. I am not overly impressed with uh, with Garcia in, in the least, right? He had his back taken for three straight rounds and did nothing right. And we talk about the guys who do everything right. A uh, guy who did nothing right in that fight, just laid there, laid there, laid there. Um, against Charlie Ontiveros, who, you know, short notice against Kevin Holland, not an easy task. We really don't know what this guy has to offer. There's a massive size difference. There's weight classes for a reason. To pick a winner in this fight, you know, I, I think you're on the right side of things. I think Garcia might be a little bit better. Um, but with all the problems that Jackson Wink with, you know, regular people training with the fighters and all the madness that goes on there, we never know what we're going to get. Um, I, I actually like that doesn't go the distance is, I think, probably the best side of this bet here. Yeah, it's probably parlayable in this spot, right? If you have access to one of those bookies that allow you to parlay those spots, that's probably the best thing to do about it. And I think me and you spoke about this very briefly in terms of the Jackson Wing camp, right? I spoke about it a little bit earlier this week on my on one of my other streams that it, it seems like there's a giant fall from grace from that that super camp, right? I, I don't know if you can labor a little super camp anymore. It's not Sanford MMA. It's not ATT. You know what I mean? Like those are the top gyms now. But back in the day, you know, everybody used to go to Jackson Wing to try to turn around their career or work with really good bodies. but 
how many guys are really there now, right? Jones, it seems like everything he's putting on Instagram is from his garage now. Holly Holm, obviously she's injured now. We don't really know. Dodson, I don't even know if he's there anymore. Now you got Steve Garcia and Khalid Murtazaliev, who seem to be the 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 flag bearers for uh, for Jackson Lake over there. Uh, what do you, what do you think happened over there? Like, is there something that you know on the on the inside here as to why that team imploded the way that it did? You know what? I think uh, I think money is the root of all evil. And I think when you get so many guys that are doing so well in the UFC and making so much money, everybody wants a little piece of something, and uh, that causes dissension. That causes people to leave and and riff out. You know. Um, I actually think the best thing that they're doing, so they have Khalid, who obviously lost his last fight. I had never heard of Steve Garcia until I found him on this card. I'd never <laughs> seen him before. Um, yeah, they, they do have a good young core of guys. So I want to shout out Davion Franklin, who we just saw in Bellator. Looked oh, phenomenal. Beast. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Liddell Pogue. They got Edwin Cooper. Um, these young wrestlers. Uh, I'm missing one. Uh, oh, Christian Edwards. You know, these young guys, those guys are awesome. Those are great bets, especially on local circuits. But as far as the guys in the UFC, I mean, Steve Garcia, not overly impressed with him. I don't think he has that one-punch crazy power. So this fight, to me, is not a, you know, a minus 310. This is a toss-up fight. Who who lands first? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think uh, going with the violence here would probably be the best bet. I do have Steve Garcia uh, reluctantly tied to a Hail Mary multi-event parlay that I put together, so I'm kind of going to be sweating that this weekend, but uh, I do think he ends up winning and getting that knockout. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Lupita Godinez taking on short notice, Silvana Gomez-Juarez. Now, Juarez stepping in on kind of short notice, right? She was getting prepared to actually fight on the Contender Series this coming Tuesday. Uh, she gets bumped up a couple days. Weight cut didn't look bad in terms of having to compensate for the extra or the early start here for her uh looks great on the scales uh one of the only actually the only fighter uh to go up against ariani lipsky and ksw during peak ariani lipsky days and actually survive a full five rounds with her yeah you know i mean like all the other fighters actually ended up getting finished uh warren showed some decent skills but in that fight it seemed like she was a little bit too hesitant in terms of closing the distance and actually getting her own striking off and lipsky was able to do her work from the outside but when you see her in other fights she looks she looks like the goods in my opinion i don't think she deserves to be a plus 220 dog in this spot i do think that the odds should be closer i think she has a decent striking game good knack for the leg kick and calf kick in my opinion uh and just decent combinations as well godinez she's coming in with so much hype from the lfa scene and then obviously she fell flat in her on her face against jessica penne where she made a lot of questionable decisions right uh you don't want to be clinching with a girl like jessica penne who has pretty much that route to win this fight uh you know the clinch uh against the cage and all that very uh, skeptical fight IQ from Godinez in those spots because when she was at range and she was closing distance and landing his shots and getting back out, that's when she looks the best. And that's where I think she's going to need to do here. And she almost has an ace in the pocket in terms of her wrestling. If she wants to take this fight to the ground, I think she'll be able to and have some decent success. But I don't think that Juarez is any slouch. Personally, I have a half-unit stab here on Juarez at plus 228. I thought the line is a little bit too wide. People are just so trigger-happy on Godinez. And I think she's the goods as well. Don't get me wrong. You know, Mexican-Canadian, shout-out to Canada. But still, I feel as though uh, she people might be a little bit too confident in the spot when they should be giving Juarez a little bit more respect. So I like Juarez at that uh, plus 228. I think uh, her decision line is about plus 400, plus 500. So if you want to take a little bit, more from that that's probably a good way that she wins uh but i, I gotta lean with juarez here ever so slightly how do you feel about this matchup uh I, i'm actually on the complete opposite side uh Hit i me. love lupita uh in this spot so you know a lot of times with the women fighters we're looking who's the biggest who's the strongest who hit, who hits the hardest i mean a lot of these tangible things the things you can measure a lot of times will win 
these girls' fights. Um, Lupita actually fought a teammate of mine, Vanessa Demopoulos, and it was a pretty, you know, that was a brutal fight. Vanessa did good, man. She can she can stick it out. But Lupita's boxing is so powerful and so strong. And I think the thing that's most impressive about her is the way that she can control the wrestling. Um, so when I was taping Silvana, this is what I uh, this is what I saw. Her last fight here was against Giselle Pereira. 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 Absolute mismatch of a fight. That, that that probably should have been sanctioned to begin with. I will say this. Level of competition, a little bit sketchy for the wire side of things, especially when she looks really good. Did you watch that fight? Yeah. The referee, absolutely worst referee I've seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. It, interesting. But uh, but what was interesting early on was uh, was Silvana got got uh, caught a couple times. Yeah, her eye. They almost stopped the fight because of her eye, like absolutely swelling up. Very weird uh, situation. But luckily for her, you know, going off as like, I think she's a minus 700 favorite in that fight. She was able to get the finish in the second round. But if they stopped that due to that, that injury, that would not have looked good at all. I think you just got to look at a couple couple key things here. Um, you know, Silvana's 36, which for women means a lot less uh, level of competition and how much she's fought. You know, she, she doesn't have that many fights for being 36 years old. They're giving her one last shot in the UFC, and unfortunately it's coming against Lupi Godinez, who honestly has gotten much better with time. Her level of competition was questionable for a long time. Now LFA champion. She's fought tough girls, girls who are in the UFC. She does everything well, well enough. She's got good cardio, great boxing. She's very strong, very aggressive. I, I don't see a way that Lupi doesn't get it done here. Do you think she gets the finish in this fight? Probably not. I think Savannah's gonna gonna stick it out. But I think it's gonna be dominant. When you're when you're even having a close fight against somebody who's four and six, that's alarming. Yeah, I'm a, I am looking forward to this fight. I do think that Juarez is a little bit better than a record may indicate, and obviously what we've been seeing on the regional scene, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this fight goes down tomorrow. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Charles Rosa going up against Damon Jackson. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus uh, 175 for Damon Jackson, plus 155 the return on Rosa, and I feel as though uh, you actually have a pretty uh, firm stance on this fight, so I'll actually let you kick this breakdown off. How do you like this fight, and who do you think ends up getting the win here? Yeah, you know what? I, hey, and thank you so much for sharing uh, what me and Santino are doing. A lot of times we'd have 45-minute conversations and nobody listening. So now it's uh, <laughs> good to put it on tape. You guys deserve it, brother. You Honestly, you guys have the knowledge. You guys have the hands-on experience to do this type of stuff. So I was on Santino. I saw that he had a YouTube channel but wasn't keeping it up to date. I'm like, dude, fucking keep it up to date, man. Like, people want to hear what you have to say, especially when he came on my show. Everybody loved it. So I'm like, Santino, keep doing your thing, and I'll push as much as I can. And I'm glad that he brought you on because you are a bright mind, bright mind yourself. So... Lay it on me. Who do you like in this matchup between Jackson and uh, Rosa? Yeah, so one, one thing that we always talk about is how much we're uh, we're not a fan of Charles Rosa. You know, <laughs> he just – just tough, man. He's He's got great wins. He's got close fights. Like, Yair Rodriguez split decision. It's just insane how well he does for being not phenomenal. Um, and it's just a tough way to say it. Kyle Bosniak's fighting in a couple of weeks, and Tino doesn't hate anyone more than Kyle Bosniak, which is hilarious. Really? <laughs> I don't What's know his why. Beef with Bachniak? No idea. I love the guy, but Bosniak, I like Bosniak, not Tito. Um, I, I like Damon Jackson here. I think Damon Jackson does everything well. I think he's fought tough guys. I mean, he's a veteran's veteran. Charles Rosa, 35. I, I just think uh, Damon Jackson is a much better version of like uh, Minner. His grappling is just phenomenal. You know, he just does everything well, but doesn't get tired. And I don't see a way he doesn't win this. 
Dude, I'm I'm uh, kind of surprised at the comparison of Jackson and Minner, but it makes sense, right? Those guys barely ever go yeah. to a decision outside of when Minner finally changed camps and went to James Krause and, you know, decisioned Charles Rosa the way that he did. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely agree with you here. I feel like the leech Jackson is going to be able to go out there and do kind of similar to what uh, Derek Minner did. His jiu-jitsu is good enough to hang with uh, Ricardo Loborio, black belt, Charles Rosa. Uh, but I do think that uh, Jackson will do what his nickname says. He's going to be a leech. He's going to take this fight to the ground and he's going to just grind him out, man. Charles Rosa has good submission defense as obviously we've been seeing over his last several fights justin james had him in a super tight arm triangle choke near the end of that fight i had heavy money on charles rosa in that fight because i'm not a big fan of justin james i didn't think he was ufc caliber or anything like that and goddamn charles rosa made me sweat that 15 minutes <laughs> yeah <up. laughs> hey you're 100 right when you're going to a close decision and i just rewatched the fight with a guy who's justin james level i think damon should do all right in this fight I absolutely agree with you, brother. So, yeah, I like Jackson here. I like Jackson by uh, decision as well, which is not something that he does often, right? In his 24 pro fight career, only ever gone to a decision once. I think we see the second time tomorrow night where he goes out there and grapple fucks. I like to call it grapple fucking, Brandon. When you go out there and just absolutely dominate in that aspect, I think that's what we're going to see from the Jackson side of things. I will say this, though. If it stays in striking range, I think it gets a little bit fishy. I think Rosa, his striking is not that bad. One thing that I've noticed on tape is when he's in the southpaw position, he likes to do that karate style. You'll hear his corner kind of scream out, Wonder Boy, do the Wonder Boy. And you see him kind of kicking a lot more. And then when he's in the orthodox stance, he likes to box a little bit more. And I do think he has a better striking than Jackson in this situation. However, poor takedown defense and then poor ability to get back to his feet. I think Jackson wins this fight pretty handily as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Alexander King Kong Romanov going up against Jared Vandera. Obviously, heavy chalk here on Romanov. He's sitting around uh, minus 600, plus 450 to return on Jared Vandera. Uh, big fan of Romanov myself, obviously, uh, but it seemed to have a little bit of flaws in his last fight uh, against Juan Espino. And in my opinion, Brandon, I'm going to ask you as a fighter. You watched the tape. You watched that fight. There's a, a little bit of acting going on there, was it not? Let's be honest. Horrible. I mean, that's a guy who wants out, right? Exactly. Like the the slow motion replay of the nut shot made it look worse than the actual like. But it wasn't that bad. He just like he didn't like tapped him. He nut tapped him with his knee, and then you see him go down like a sack of potatoes because the guy was dead tired. So it looks like he has a bit of a cardio issue. But with that said, there was a lot of grappling going on in that fight, and you know as best as anybody that when you're in those clinch positions, jockeying for position, trying to get a takedown or something like that, that exerts a lot of energy. And normally, Romanov doesn't have any type of resistance to deal with, but he was dealing with resistance in a high-level wrestler in Juan Espino. Luckily for him, he comes out on the winning side there. Um, here against Jared Vandera, though, I feel like he's going to be able to get Vandera down. Vandera's takedown defense doesn't look the greatest, albeit training out of Dan Henderson's training facility, right? I think that that's where his home gym is, Sam Alvey those guys uh i believe ashley yoder's out there as well um but uh doesn't seem to really show much of it inside the cage obviously in that sergey spivak fight we saw that uh spivak ha uh, had tremendous success uh fellow Mon moldovan as well uh taking down jared vandera and then having that finish in the second round i will say this though jared vandera round three plus two thousand piques my interest ever so slightly because if he is able to survive those first two rounds we've seen romanov We've already seen him give up. He's 14 to 0, but that that 14th victory has a little bit of an asterisk beside it. So uh, the the pick is obviously Romanov within the first two rounds, but I do have a little bit of a sprinkle on Vandera in round three, just as insurance. How do you feel about this matchup, brother? Yeah, this this is one. Uh, so actually, one of my first bets when I when I started really killing it was a Tracy Cortez Romanov parlay, uh, two thousand dollars on it, and man, I. 
I thought I, I robbed somebody because that was such a close <laughs> fight, man. It made me nervous. Um, you know, the, the line on this is, you know, was he minus 700 now? Yeah, closing in on minus 700 on certain spots. Yeah, if you want to put this in a parlay, you know, uh, more power to you. Uh, and I'm not talking to you, just talking to, to the viewers. This, to me, is just not worth it at all, man. With uh, w When you're trying to play safe, you know, if you're, if you're really trying to go for it and you just want to add as many things as you can, fine. Um, I know he should win. I know he should win. But he makes such poor decisions. You know, we saw that with his cardio. Yeah. Uh, standing on the feet. He's got very powerful striking, but what heavyweight have you seen throwing spinning back fists and spinning everything? And the thing that I worry about is all those high energy techniques, the insane wrestling, and the guy still let Roque Martinez stand up, yeah, which is insane. <laughs> the guy who's known for never getting up ever stood up on him, right, and made it to a round two. So, you know, do I think he's going to win? Yes. But I, I, I would not touch a, a winner in this fight at all because he's such a liability with his cardio and his bad decisions. Yeah, this is a spot that he should go out there and do what Romanov does, right? If he can't do it against a guy like Jared Vandera, then things get sketchy for him as he continues to to go up the, the ladder here. I will say this, though. Vandera very much surprised me in his last fight against Justin Taffa, where he was able to go out there and outstrike him for 15 minutes. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people, probably even yourself, thought the only way Vandera wins that fight is if he gets Taffa to the ground because Taffa is more than likely the better striker. But we saw a great game plan from Vandera in terms of throwing combinations. And then any time we saw Taffa throw even one shot, we saw Vandera immediately respond with a combination of his own so that he can go out there and double, triple the type of output that Tafa was throwing out there. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a great ga game plan on his, uh, on his side. Did that surprise you as well? You know what? I, I didn't watch that fight. That was one. I, I've been kind of trying to avoid this fight a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen in the comments here, someone says after round after round two, it gets tricky. And, you know, that's that's the thing, right? You, you have heavy money on Romanov and you see him come out. Like this round three, you see Vendera, all right, you know, it's, it's go time. It makes you a little scared. Yeah, I, I would be absolutely shit my pants if I have Romanov tied in every single uh, parlay and this fight makes it into the third round. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, we got Chris Gutierrez going up against Felipe Clarsh, and I feel like we're going to have some uh, differing opinions in this uh, spot. I, I will actually let you kick it off, but in terms of the odds, we're actually looking at minus, uh, where is it at? Minus 230 now for Chris Gutierrez, plus 210, plus 200 is the return on Felipe Clarsh. So there seems to be some action on Clarsh coming in and bringing Gutierrez down. So I'll actually let you kick this one off, brother. How do you feel about this matchup? Yeah, I, I think this this is a pretty clear-cut one for me. Um, Gutierrez is slick. And the the my rub with Gutierrez used to be his volume. And you can hear them calling for it in every single fight. More volume, more volume, more volume. And his fights would end up being so freaking close because he's just not throwing. He's throwing cap kicks. And if that doesn't work, we're just running around, right? I think as he's gone on in his career and as he gets better, I, I think his volume has picked up. His striking is so intelligent. It's so slick. He's one of those few guys that you're just like, man, it's a beautiful to watch his strike. Um, now, I saw a lot of people saying his takedown defense is not so good. I'm actually very impressed with his takedown defense. You know, we look at the Durden fight, and everyone wants to go to the Durden fight, which, in my opinion, was a horrible draw. I don't think you get a 10-8 round for laying on somebody but not actually doing anything, you know, not threatening. Um He's got phenomenal wins, Ewell. Um, but the biggest comparison I guess I'd want to make in this fight is the Geraldo de Fritas, who he fought to a split decision 
I think is a way better version of, of uh, Kolaris. And Kolaris is just too many holes on the feet. I don't think his wrestling is near good enough. We saw his, you know, gas tank issues. We've just seen so many holes in Kolaris' game. I think Gutierrez takes this one home pretty, pretty easy. Uh, personally, I think the line is a little bit wide in my aspect. So um, the, the the Cody Durden fight, great example to, to bring up there. Obviously, he got 10 in that first round, probably deserved to be a 10-9, let's be honest. But his ability to control him the way that he did in that first round was very telling to me, especially with Clarish, who has been able to control opponents in the past with that backpack style, with that back mount that he's has. Um, the, the thing for me with Gutierrez is if he doesn't have that calf kick or that leg kick going for him, what else is there really to, to work with, right? We've talked about his volume and output issues. Um, his striking obviously looks decent in terms of his hands, but I feel like a lot of his success is predicated around being successful with that leg kick and that calf kick. And it's all of this has really started since the Vince Morales fight, right? That was like three fights ago. Then he has a Durden fight. Then he has the Ewell fight. Who we know Ewell striker. He's not going to engage in wrestling or anything like that. He will more than likely try to go out there and outstrike you. Uh, the Geraldo De Freitas fight. Very interesting about that fight. Uh, De Freitas was the minus 170 favorite going into that fight, which kind of caught me off guard. Uh, and then Chris Gutierrez goes out there and does what he does. But very close fight. MMA decisions has that literally down the middle in terms of who deserved to win that fight. First round, in my opinion, was De Freitas. Second round, I believe, was Gutierrez. Third round was pretty close from what I remember. Uh, the thing that I like about Kalaris here in all four of his UFC fights, eight takedowns attempted leads me to believe that, and I see it on tape myself, he's not going to stay at that kicking range. He's not going to stay at that striking range to let Chris Gutierrez get his uh, get his game off. I think he's going to be able to push him up against the cage. May not be able to get takedowns, but there are instances where I've seen Chris Gutierrez kind of just give his back to try to disengage from these clinch positions, and I think that's an opportunity for Clars to kind of just latch on and, and kind of just hold on for dear life. He may not need to get takedowns to win this fight. He may just need to kind of push him up against the cage and have some success there. Cardio issues, a little, you know, I, I think they might be a little bit over exaggerated and the fact that even after getting whooped on by Montel Jackson for two rounds the guy's still going out there and you know putting on some output but moving forward even against Luke Sanders as well kind of moving forward having some sex in that uh, success in that fight as well um, I just think the line is too wide, man. I, I do like Clarish in this spot. I do think he presents the type of difficulties that we've seen Chris Gutierrez deal with poorly in the past. Um, striking, obviously, all in favor of Chris Gutierrez if he can get his strikes off. Felipe Clarish, super hittable, um, but never been finished in any one of his fights. He's been hurt tremendously, but Chris Gutierrez, not much of a finisher outside of that leg kick knock or finish of Vince Morales that he had. I believe before that, his last KO victory was over Jimmy Flick, who... Striker, not at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? We know Jimmy Flick is mainly just a jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, and then before that, I'm just not impressed with the power that we've been seeing from Gutierrez. So although he might be able to light up Kolaris on the feet once they actually get that distance, I think more often than not, we're going to see Kolaris be pulling, pushing him up against the cage, going for takedowns and trying to get that control time. And at plus 215, which is the number that I got in at, I feel a little bit confident in that. Is there any type of rebuttal or anything you want to throw out there, or do you want to move on to the next fight for this one? Yeah, let, let me hit the mic drop right here. Let's right? go. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Kolaris lost a split decision to Domingo Pilarte. Oh, no, no. He won. He won that fight. What oh, he won. About? Sorry. Split Come decision on. with Domingo Pilarte. <laughs> that's uh, that's all you need to know. Okay. All right. There we go. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I, I will say, though, if Gutierrez is able to keep this at range, his fight will look way better than minus 230 as well. Let's just see if he can get there and, and give us that output as well. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. This is... Uh, Oh, wow, we're already on the main card. I forgot that this is a nine-fight card. I'm so used to, like, these 12, 13, 14 fights. I'm just like, oh, God, we're already uh, through this. I do want to take this time to remind you guys to hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then hit my guy Brandon with the follow as well. I do have his IG listed in the description below, as well as... 
his show with Santino DeFranco that he does every week. Is there a schedule that you guys have for that? Or is it just whenever you guys have the time, you guys throw it out there? We're working on it. We're both super busy. I think we're going to try to get it out on either Tuesday or Wednesday so that everybody has time to watch and, and take a look at it. Perfect. Yeah. The the link to their last video is actually in the description below. So go over there and give them some love. Obviously, you guys can go out there and see Santino uh, as well. Give his takes. But uh, make sure you guys subscribe to Santino's channel as well and show these guys some love. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here, Brandon. We got uh, Maria Agapova going up against Sabina Mazo. In terms of odds, we are currently looking at uh, minus 175 for Mazo, plus 155 for Maria Agapova. Uh so interesting the 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 tale of two different fights right you got agapova minus 1200 in her last fight against shana dobson feels like she saw those odds and felt like she had a high ceiling to to kind of to 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 achieve or have to prove to people that she deserves being that minus 1200 favorite which is why we saw her go out there like a banshee and that first round completely gas herself out and then eventually get finished in that second round by dobson and then on the flip side with sabina mazzo you come have her coming in as a pretty heavy favorite in her last fight against alexis davis and uh i've i think marina morose was the perfect person to put out the game plan and the blueprint to beat a girl like sabina mazzo we saw justine kish deal with it perfectly until that last minute or two minutes of that fight where she got clubbed and subbed right at the end but she was going on to win that fight in my opinion and then Alexis Davis was able to deal with the striking and then eventually get her takedowns and drag this fight to the ground does Maria Agapova have that type of grappling I don't think so I don't think she has that relentless type of wrestling to continues to get Mazo down pushing her on her back foot putting her up against the cage and dragging her to the ground I think uh, Agapovo will have the most success in round one and then after that uh, I think we'll see Mazo take over get comfortable in that striking range and I wouldn't be surprised to see another classic patented head kick knockout from Mazo here I do think she ultimately wins by decision but I'm not counting out a knockout here either from Mazo I like Mazo in the spot think she's a pretty safe spot as well um yeah how do you feel about this matchup brother yeah, this is this is maybe the the toughest one. Um, maybe one of the toughest ones on the on the card. Um, you know, striking wise, I don't think it's close, right? I think Agapova's striking is just not even better. It's just stronger. It's just harder. Um, but really, the the big concern is the gas tank and and her fight IQ, which is the two things that I look for in every single fight. So my my brain says easy, Sabina Mazo, easy. But my eyes are telling me that Agapova is going to smoke her. And I don't know which one to go with. Um, are you familiar with all the stuff that they're talking about with her training camps and the drugs? And yeah, stuff? apparently she uh, she was at ATT. They kicked her out of ATT. I think it was Marina Morose that was kind of like the uh, whistleblower for that. But I've seen her at MMA Masters. I've seen her at ATT Sunrise, which I didn't even know was a thing to, until she she actually went over there. Um, yeah, I'm seeing her jump around even at Sanford. She had a cup of coffee over there at Sanford as well. Yeah, that that's super bizarre. I mean, you you got to probably look at the stability of Sabina Mazzo. Um, but here's something interesting, and uh, I'm still messing around with this. It's a theory. So the people in my Telegram have kind of seen me play with this. But I have a I have a theory with these odds, and I don't know how well it's working with the UFC yet. So I'm still kind of playing with it. Um, let me see. Oh, but their records are the same. Never mind. This one doesn't apply. <laughs> I their think I, I, I skimmed the, the podcast that you did with Franco uh, DeFranco, and I think that I heard you talking about it, and it might pertain to this next matchup that we're going to be talking about with yeah, Elite and, and Nikolaus. So uh, let's just get a quick pick out of you for Agapova and Mazo, though. Ultimately, if you know I'm what? putting a gun to your head, who do you like at that spot? I, I got to go. I got to go with what I think always works, and it's got to be cardio and fight IQ. So let's go Mazo on this one. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. I'll be right there with you as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight, with his, which is Tim Elliott going up against Matthias Nicolau. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus two. Well, actually, wow, uh, money coming in on Tim Elliott. We got uh, Nicolau around minus 190 and plus 170. It's just the return on Tim Elliott here. Personally, I really like Nicolau. I, I, I do think he's the shit. I think he's a top five flyweight, uh, but I think he needs to go out there and continue to prove it. The Manal Cap fight, his return to the UFC, you know, I have no idea why he got released from the UFC to begin with. Uh, you know, get knocked out by Dustin Ortiz as a heavy favorite in that fight and then just gets sent packing here. I mean, only one loss didn't make any sense to me, but did what he needed to do on the regional scene, managed to make his way back to the UFC and then wins a razor thin close decision against Manel Cap, who a lot of people thought Manel Cap deserved that decision. Very close fight. I was still impressed with what we saw from Nikolaou that night. I think he's a better striker. I think he has more power in his hands, way more discipline on the feet as well. We know Tim Elliott, his, for hell, his freaking uh, Instagram handle is awkward MMA. So you already know what you're going to be seeing whenever you see Tim Elliott step inside the cage. Uh, but I do think we'll see Nicolau go out there, land the better strikes. Um, if he does get taken down, that's kind of my my issue there. But he is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, seems to, so, seems to show decent work off of his back. Uh, and Elliott seems to sometimes put himself into bad positions where other guys are able to lock on chokes and, you know, able to get a submission victory over him um i know this doesn't have much bearing on how this fight's going to go on but he did have a submission grappling uh match with uh mr patchy mix super high level patchy mix back in july and we saw uh, patchy mix take home that neck within a minute of that fight so he was able to lock that up and that just goes to show a little bit further in terms of tim elliott's you know, even in a grappling match, the the lack of submission defense at times, right? You know you got to protect your neck, especially in a grappling match, and he gets it snatched up almost immediately. I think Nikolaou could do that as well. Um, again, my concern, this is one of the best versions of Elliot we've been seeing over the last little while. You know, uh, we, we have this little joke that we've been having in the 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 the, the chat, the live chat community with uh, James Trust. The last time he came on, he goes, yeah, you know, my, my gym's great and all that, but I have all these broken fighters that come to me and expect me to fix them. So I call him the mechanic James Cross now. Uh, and, and Tim Elliott's one of those guys, right? Two-fight winning streak now. Um, close fight against Ryan Benoit, I'll say that. Uh, but the last time around, he was able to use his wrestling very effectively against Jordan Espinoza uh, and then win that fight via decision there. But I just don't see him having that much success against Nikolaou in this spot um, in terms of his grappling. I think Nikolaou will be able to get back to his feet or... If it's a desperation shot from uh, Tim Elliott, I wouldn't be surprised if Nikolaou snatches up a neck of his own and, and takes home that submission victory. I I, I really like Nikolaou in the spot. I was kind of surprised at what the odds were here. Obviously, heavy action came on him. I believe he was minus 150 at the opener, ballooned up to minus 200, and now there's a little bit of buyback coming back from Elliott, which is why uh, we have Nikolaou around minus 180, minus 190 in the spot. I like Nikolaou. I'm going to say by submission, but obviously uh, decision is more, the most likely outcome I think he snatches up that neck. Brandon, how do you feel like uh, this fight's going to go down? Yeah, so uh, when I first saw this, I think you and me messaged last week and we were instantly both like, Nikola, Nikola, Nikola. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had been getting ready for Nikola in that Manel cop fight. And man, watching his tape and going, man, this guy is, how's anybody ever going to beat this guy? How's anybody <laughs> ever going to beat this guy? He does every single thing well. Um, now, admittedly, I didn't re-dive into his tape this time because the line is what's scaring me. Um, so if you guys want to hear the theory, it's really, really quick. Um, but basically, when you have a guy that's got an insane, phenomenal record, finding somebody whose record is not that good, if the line is very, very close, you know, within, I'd say, minus 200 or, you know, less than that, um, they're telling you who they think is going to, like, who who's going to win the fight. And I think right now the record on that is, like, eight and four. 
with uh, like two of those being split decisions. So it's a very, very, two of the losses being split decisions. So it's working more times than it's not working. But my eyes, my brain, everything in me is telling me there's no way that Nikolaou can lose this fight. I don't think Tim Elliott's striking is powerful enough to, to knock him out. Um, I think Nikolaou, you know, I think he just does everything well. Now, the one thing I do worry about is something that you said is he's got some good stuff off of his back. Um, that's the last thing I ever want to hear. I never want to see some, how somebody is off their back. <laughs> I want to see how they are getting back up to their feet yeah. or getting back on top, right? Because the problem with black belts is they fall too in love with their jiu-jitsu. Everybody thinks they're, the, they're amazing at jiu-jitsu. You know, I, when I competed, you know, I was, I thought I was the best thing in the world and I was going to submit all these people. You, you'll be lucky to ever see me on my back now staying there in sparring or MMA, anything like that. Right. The cop fight scared me just a little bit, just how much he was backing up and the volume that cop had. It, I don't think he's going to get knocked out or submitted, but the thing that worries me is Tim Elliott's awkwardness and, uh, and his volume, you know, truthfully. So I'm, I'm either going to go in at Nikolau or, possibly stay away from this one. I could I absolutely understand your 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 concern regarding the volume and output of uh of Timelia because optically speaking that looks really good to the judges right when you have the guy kind of moving forward throwing shots I hope and I'm, I'm I think this will happen we'll see some good counter striking here from Nikola kind of just waiting for Elliot to kind of overextend on certain punches again not very good with his striking defense right he heavily relies on head movement and getting out of the way keeping his hands down the entire time I forgot which fight it was but there's one fight where he's clearly losing the fight and was just marching down his opponent with his hands down not throwing anything i know he's now with james charles and james is probably yelling at him to be like dude <laughs> fucking throw something you know marching forward and doing nothing is not helping you with the judges so i'm sure he's learned from that so very much looking forward to seeing how this one goes down uh shout out to my guy pocket qb lamar jackson who who is throwing out there oh and five is elliot's record as an underdog uh in all of his fights he wins the majority of his fights when he's the favorite but as an underdog he's just not able to to, to pull off the trigger here i actually posed this question to my buddy John, last night, I'm going to ask you the same question here. I'm not sure if you're privy to this information, but you're obviously very familiar with uh, Ali Bagotinov. Yeah. So obviously, Tim Elliott, Bagotinov fought back in the day. If from memory, you were able to put together a betting line for that fight, what do you think the betting line was for that fight? Uh, without cheating? Without cheating. Don't you dare, Brandon. <laughs> Yeah, well, just the fact that you're phrasing that question is probably Tim Elliott as a favorite. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of showed my hand right there, but I was a little bit surprised, man. Ali Bagotinov back in his, you know, on his run to the to the title there, I thought he was one of the the better guys, and I'm kind of surprised that Tim Elliott was a minus one seventy favorite going into that fight, and we got Bagotinov roughly around plus one fifty. But that was before I went like serious with the gambling, so I probably would have hit that a little bit earlier there. But yeah, that kind of surprised me there for sure. Um, but yeah, let's see if Tim Elliott can uh, right his wrongs this weekend and actually get his first win as an underdog. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I really think Nikolau, you know, I think they engage in grappling and I think Nikolau is just going to show his, his, his caliber on this one. If the line wasn't so scary, I almost wish Nikolau was like minus 330 or something like that. Something crazy. <laughs> That'll make him more confident, eh? <laughs> yeah. I will throw this uh, prop out there. Plus 415 for Nikolau to win by submission, if anybody fancies that there. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Co-main event time. We got Randy Rude Boy Brown going up against the only fighter that missed weight this morning. Jared Gunning coming in at 174 pounds. Missed a weight by, uh, I believe that's what, three pounds he misses weight by. Um 
interesting fight here because technically speaking, Randy Brown is much better than this guy, right? Great striking, uh, decent jujitsu as well. Jared Gunnan is just this berserker in a sense, right? He likes to move forward, likes to throw big shots, but at times he can be disciplined about it. We saw the Alan Joban fight, pretty back and forth fight there. Uh, but the last fight against Nicholas Stolze, Good God, that lead left hook that he just continued to land on Stolze. He landed like four or five times, and then the fifth one finally knocked out Stolze in that fight. It kind of reminded me of Sam Alvey against Marching Pracknow, where Pracknow just kept moving forward and getting hit with the same thing and kept getting dropped. That's what happened with Stolze. Stolze just had no answer for that lead left hook, and Jared Gooden does pack a, a punch in his, uh, pack some power in his punches, and he was able to get the finish in that fight. Here against uh, Randy Brown, one thing that I really found inter interesting with the uh, last couple of fights for Randy Brown, when people decide to attack him with the calf or or a have, uh, leg kick heavy game, the, you know, it causes him problems. Obviously, Vicente Luque, a much better fighter than Jared Gooden, don't get me wrong, but was very effective with that. Alex Oliveira, for as long as that fight was on the feet, was absolutely torching that lead leg of Randy Brown. And the one thing that I found interesting was that Randy Brown didn't even try to switch stances. Like, it didn't even seem like he was comfortable enough to go to a secondary stance to kind of just reserve the, uh, the, the damage that he was taking on that lead leg. Luckily enough for him, he was able to land it straight down the middle, plants Oliveira on his butt, and then we know what happens after that. He grabs his back and gets that one-arm rear naked choke. To me, it seems as though if Jared Gooden, who has shown decent leg kicks in the past, if he goes out there and tries to approach it with the same game plan and can stay safe enough until he damages that lead leg of Randy Brown enough, then lets the striking go with his hands, I think he can knock out Randy Brown in the spot. I picked Jared Gooden earlier this week to win this fight via KO, but I feel like the only way you can play him is by KO, which was roughly around plus 400, which is some pretty damn good odds for a guy that whose only path to victory is a knockout in my opinion. Uh, but if this fight does get stretched, if it does go to a decision, you got to think Randy Brown wins this fight with the technical and more superior striking. I am a little less confident on the Jared Gooden side, obviously with the missing weight this morning, but it didn't seem like he was really really killing himself to make the weight either. It just seemed like he was just accepting of the fact that he was going to miss weight in that spot. Um, so again, th this seems clear as day. Randy Brown, the way more technical fighter, should go out there and start uh, Gooden. But I do think that Gooden, if he can establish that leg kick early here, he should be able to go out there and find that chin and knock out uh, Randy Brown, which is what I'm going to go with. How do you feel about this matchup? Yeah, the, I uh, I just want to read his Instagram post. So, sometimes I'll make plays purely based on people's Instagrams. I just Instagram plays. Hit me. All right. What's up, guys? Hate to say I miss weight by three pounds, but the fight is still on. Game time tomorrow, co-main event. So when I call these Instagram plays, I think my biggest one is actually my one of my bigger bets I've ever placed. Um, Dustin Jacoby versus Darren Stewart. And I was so back and forth on that fight until I started looking at Darren Stewart's Instagram. And you start to realize that some guys are UFC fighters and some guys are not UFC fighters. And to me, Jaron Gooden is going to be the the toughest guy ever on the local circuit. I mean, he's going to have crazy knockouts. He's going to have a 30 and 10 record or whatever it is on local circuits. But to me, he's just not a UFC fighter. When you say something like, hey, guys, hey, guys, what's up? Sorry, I missed weight. Fight's still on. Let's go. I don't think he's UFC caliber. I don't think his skills are, are matching that level. Now, Randy Brown, uh, man, sometimes he looks so sloppy. But, man, he, he is just clean. When he won a box... His boxing is beautiful. He wrestles. He grinds. He does. He's just a winner, man. Even when he's getting leg kicked, he finds ways to get the job done. Um, I, I really like Randy Brown here in almost any way he wants to do it. I like it. In terms of missing weight, I know you've been in corners and you've cut weight yourself and all that type of stuff. What do you make of a guy that comes in three pounds over and doesn't even look like he broke a sweat to try to make the weight? 
Yeah, it means a lot of different things. First of all, you hate money. You want to lose twenty percent for no reason, like three grand. If he loses this fight, he loses three grand, and yeah, obviously it, the other half of his paycheck. Yeah. So, but usually it means one of a couple things. So, you know, short notice, it's understandable. You know, sometimes that happens. But I don't think this was short notice, was it? Not in my opinion. No, I don't. I don't recall it being. The guys that the guys that I know that have missed weight over my my time are guys that had consistently quit in the room. They quit in the room. They quit in the sauna. They quit in their fights. Those are the guys that miss weight or you're not in shape. And either way, I think it goes the side of, of Randy Brown. Um, I think he's just too big. He's too long and he fights very, very smart. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see how Gooden decides to approach this again. If he doesn't like kick here, I think he gets absolutely torched on the feet again. I feel that is a, a chink in the armor of Randy Brown striking, and it was shown, obviously, in his last two fights. Luckily for him, like I said, he got bailed out in the Alavera fight with that beautiful right down the middle. Uh, let's see if it works out for him this weekend as well. All right, main event time. Brandon, I'll let you kick this one off. We got Marina Rodriguez going up against uh, uh, Mackenzie Dern, minus 185 for Dern, plus 170 the return on Marina Rodriguez. A, a pretty binary fight to break down here, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts in terms of how you think it's going to go. God, I'm going to be the biggest bummer because I first I think I, I never bet main events. They're just too tough and too unpredictable, and everybody is so high level. I mean, I think everyone thinks the same thing. This is going to go Mackenzie just grabs a hold of her and yanks something off immediately because she's so strong and she's so talented. Or this fight goes, you know, to the fourth round, the fifth round, and then Marina starts to put it on her with the volume and the cardio. But, you know, I, this is a tough one. I got to root Mackenzie. I started with Megaton, her dad, in my jiu-jitsu career. I've known Mackenzie for a long time. Her level of jiu-jitsu is just – there are levels to the game, and she's five levels above that. Wow. Uh, so I, I got to go Mackenzie, and she's getting better all the time. You know, I first I said Marina just for volume and everything, but you know, I'm not going to put money on it. So let's go, uh, let's go Mackenzie. I like it. I like it. Now, one thing that I like to to, to talk about, especially when we get the, these binary types of matchup where you need someone who obviously needs a takedown or the other person who needs to stuff those takedowns and get their strike going, is that the person who has the grappling advantage has way lower variance in terms of being able to find success. Whereas in the striking, you get, there's a little bit more higher variance, right? You got the counters obviously coming back your way. Uh, you got to be perfect with your precision, your timing, your, your power, everything on the feet. That's what Marina needs to do. Whereas Mackenzie, if she is successful in dragging this fight to the ground, pretty much one-way traffic on the ground, right? I'm not sure Marina Rodriguez has the greatest get-up game. We saw Michelle uh, Michelle Watterson kind of control it for about like four minutes in the fourth round of their last fight. Uh, I think Mackenzie Dern, if she gets this fight to the ground, she may only need one takedown, right? And she doesn't rush anything. That's one thing I found very interesting in her last fight against Nina Nunes, where she gets the takedown with like three minutes left in the fight and, or in that round, and she just slowly works her way full mount she slowly works away to get the grips that she needs to get that arm bar and then she pulls off the arm bar with like 12 seconds left in the round she she she's mindful of the clock don't get me wrong but she just waits for those opportunities to explode and finally get that submission that's what she was able to do last time around as well so i do think that she finds that submission i do think she ends up getting the takedown here within the first two rounds and then and then locks up a submission here submission obviously roughly around plus 110 plus 100 as you would believe for any Mackenzie Dern fight. Uh, but one thing that I kind of find inter interesting, I, I always throw a little bit of a dart at it. When you have somebody that has such a grappling advantage and, you know, a lot of people think that the finish is going to come via submission, there's always that opportunity for a ground and pound, like from the back position, right? The back mount, you stretch our opponent out, just put together five, six, seven strikes, referee might stop it. 
plus 1600 i think the line was on mckenzie term via tko and a ground and pound finish could absolutely happen especially if marino rodriguez is doing a good job in terms of protecting her neck and fighting hands and all that stuff and if uh Dern is able to you know flatten her out get her on her belly she should be able to put that together as well but Let's be honest. Again, that's just a tinfoil hat kind of conspiracy that I have here with the plus sixteen hundred. What, what do you think about that type of that type of approach as well? Right? You, why not? Oh, I, I love it. And you know what? I I think with Fight IQ, these jujitsu people, the more Fight IQ they have, the less they're going to think about everything has to be a choke, right? When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But the more that they learn, the more that they know. They realize punching is the way. Punching will open up everything, but you can also finish a fight. I love that. If that's plus sixteen hundred. I 99% of the time never put a put a prop bet, but that might be something that I that I definitely throw. Maybe if you just send a little text to her pops or something, it'll work out that way. But I, but I, I do like during this spot. I do think she gets a takedown. I do think she'll be able to withstand the damage that Marina will be throwing out there on the feet. You know, everybody's making this Marina Rodriguez is this crazy knockout puncher. And yeah, she finished Amanda Hebos, but I truly believe Hebos was a little bit of a fraud in regards to her striking. Everybody thought she was this great striker, but I thought that she just, you know, when she went up against a legitimate striker like she did against uh, Marina Rodriguez, we saw it uh, go there. And I think that Hebos was kind of drinking her own drinking her own kool-aid and the fact that she would be able to compete in the striking with Rodriguez and we saw that was not uh uh that did not come to fruition here I think Dern is making good improvements in her striking should keep her safe in the striking room and then eventually wait for that opportunity to drag this fight to the ground and lock on that submission do you have any last thoughts on this matchup brother yeah actually I love what you said about the striking you're right like things come back at you you know you can always get clipped if that's your thing but when you're grappling and you're that high level it's, it's you're just in a different world and i'm seeing a lot of the comments talking about you know how marina has gotten better again this is one of those tough ones it's one of two ways mckenzie early while she's fresh or uh marina you know survives long enough to to finally you know come up I mean, you see that that we kind of talked about which is uh that's always the scary moment if you have money on the other side yeah, for sure. All right, that's a wrap on the breakdowns here, but we do want to end the show off on with uh, a lot of people enjoy is the lock that I play from myself and obviously from uh, Brandon here. Again, lock using very flimsily. We're talking about our most confident play on the card. Personally, I'm going with Matthias Nicola. I really like him in this spot. I think the odds are great as well. I got in at minus 196 and kind of bummed that the action is actually coming back now where we're getting a better line on, uh, on Nicola. But in terms of a straight bet, I think Nicolau wins here as long as he's able to to really get a striking going and uh, can get up from bottom or at least give uh, some proper scrambles here to Tim Elliott. I think he can hold up and if not show better uh, scrambles than Tim Elliott, I think he comes out on the winning end here. And I'll even be sprinkling a little bit of that submission pop at plus 400. Brandon, what is your most confident play on the card? What, what's the parlay or straight bet that you like? Nothing worse than minus 250. Yeah, this is an easy one for me. Um... I have a few that I like to play, but I, the only one I've actually played so far, I'll, I'll do the rest of it tonight. Uh, I like Damon Jackson, uh, and I like to parlay that with Jared Gooden and Randy Brown over 1.5. Oh, wow. That, that's a that's a bit of a contrarian take, in my opinion. A lot of people think, like, albeit, you know, I like the under two and a halfs rather than under one and a half. But that feels like that's going to be a violence fight here, especially with all the, the shit going on with the wins and all that. What, what, what makes you so confident in the over there? Well, what'd you tell me last week about Nico Price and uh, and Cowboy, right? Yeah, you're right. 
the thing the thing that I'm seeing with him is actually how they how they strike. I know you said that he's you know good as this big power puncher, but if you watch him, he's actually sitting back a lot of the time. He's very patient. He kind of just throws a few things out there. And the reason he knocked out Stolte is because Stolte is trying to knock him out, right? You you had a willing dance partner. You have a guy in Randy Brown who sits back, he jabs, he kind of looks for the wrestling. He doesn't engage a whole lot either without being at distance. And so just watching both of their striking styles, and Gooden's not knocking everybody out. He's got one knockout and two decisions. And Randy Brown, all his fights go to the second round, third round. I, I love, love over 1.5 in that. And then you can pair it with Gutierrez or Jackson or Godinez for me. Any of those are interchangeable. Perfect. There you guys go. You guys got more than enough plays for you guys for this nine fight card that we got tomorrow. Brandon, I really appreciate you jumping on here. Anything you want to plug on the back end? I know you got that podcast with uh, DeFranco. Obviously, the link is in the description below for that if anybody wants to check that out. Anything else you want to plug, my brother? Uh, yeah, just the, the podcast is awesome, guys. If you follow my Instagram, uh, that's that's tagged here. Uh, I, I post a lot of free games. Just anything I think is interesting or if I'm liking a bet, I'll just throw up their page, whatever. Um, so you can check some things out. He's very big on the regional MMA as well, too. So that's usually where you find a pretty good edge when, you know, the odds makers aren't as privy to these uh, regional fighters as guys like Brandon, who's very involved with the MMA world. So I do know he has a bunch of uh, plays he does for CFFC and LFA and stuff like that. So make sure you guys check him out for that as well. Um, yeah, that's pretty much a wrap tomorrow. Early start. Don't 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 be napping. Don't be taking a dog for a walk or anything like that. 2 p.m. Eastern time prelim start tomorrow. Uh, 4 p.m. I believe is the main card. Uh, so make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, and I'll be doing my fight day live chat. Uh, I'm going to say let's do 11 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. 11 a.m. Eastern fight day live chat. You guys can find me right here taking all questions, comments, and concerns for the last minute plays you guys want to make on your on the, on the UFC card tomorrow night. Uh, last thing, actually, Brandon, any, any opinion on uh, the big boxing match tomorrow? Wilder and uh, Fury, any, any, anything there, or do you not even bother with boxing? Does boxing not exist in your world? Ah, sometimes. I, <laughs> I, I hope Fury. I, I like Fury. I hope he gets it done. But I, it's tough for me. What do you think? I'm taking Fury. Uh, I'll probably parlay him in a couple of things. I just don't think that Wilder, you know, can make that big of an improvement from white fight, one fight camp to the next. Like you see some of the clips on this guy, the guy is not technical. He just throws hooks and fucking wide shots and just looks for that knockout. And, you know, it's worked out for certain guys, you know, Francis Gano, another guy who kind of made it to the championship without making those kind of improvements. He is making some improvements. Shout out to Eric Nixick, obviously making some improvements with Ngano there. But when you have that deathly power, you might not need to work on anything else there. And luckily for Wilder, he only has to worry about punching. No grappling, no clinching, no jujitsu, nothing like that. But Tyson Fury has already shown us in two fights that he can go out there and put a weapon on Deontay Wilder, and I think he'll be able to do that as well. So I'll be chucking Wilder into, a, or sorry, uh, Fury into a couple of parlays as well. All right, Brandon, appreciate you joining me. Appreciate the 150, me, 160 live viewers that we currently have as well. Again, hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then go and show my guy Brandon some love on on IG. Link is in the description below, as well as this podcast with Santino DeFranco. Link is in the description below as well. Good luck in your bets, and I'll see you guys tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Let's make some money, fellas. Let's go.